Welcome to Diverse, a Society of Women Engineers podcast. SWE gives women engineers a unique place and voice within the engineering community. On Diverse, we highlight incredible women in STEM and discover who they are at home, at work, and everywhere in between. You can find all of our episodes online at podcast.swe.org or wherever you stream your favorite podcasts. Hello, Society of Women Engineers. I'm your host, Karen Roth. I'm the FY25 president of the Society, and welcome to Diverse SWE podcast. We are live at WE23 at the Diverse podcast booth, and it's an absolute honor to welcome Jay Flores to the show today. Jay is a global STEM ambassador and the founder of Invent the Change, whose mission is to change the world by inspiring young minds to keep doing cool things with STEM. You may have seen him on PBS, NBC, Telemundo, ASPN, or at our Invented Build It event here at SWE's annual conference. Welcome to the show, Jay. I can't wait to hear more about your journey and all the great work that you're doing to make STEM engaging and exciting for our next generation. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. I'm super excited for Saturday morning with all of the students and also just soaking in the rest of the conference, learning how to be a better ally and uh, connecting with friends. Oh, we so appreciate you being here with us. What's your favorite part about when you go into a big STEM group like this, about seeing what the responses from the crowd are? I just remember my first convention as a student. Oh, okay. I was part of the Society of Hispanic Professional Engineers. And mm-hmm. I went to the University of Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. So there weren't a lot of us. Go Badgers. Yes, go Badgers. Thank you. There weren't a lot of us on campus. So to be able to step into somewhere and like see your people and be part of something so uplifting, empowering, Mm. exciting. It just helps you come back and want to bring that to the rest of the world. So that was like my super fuel for wanting to help other young people get into this field. My, you know, experience this weekend is going to energize me even more to get more young girls Mm. involved and to help my peers become better allies as well. I love that story. I think that's what so many of us that keep coming back to Sweet Conference every year, it's the, it's what I hear everyone saying, it's the energy, it's the passion. Like, we love the professional development, but just being able to walk into a room with 10,000 other women, like, we can't get that anywhere else but Sweet. So we, and that's certainly why I keep coming back 20 years later (laughs) in order to do what I do. Jay, you're known as a global STEM ambassador for a good reason, but that didn't happen overnight. What initially sparked this journey for you? Can you point to one person or moment at the beginning that really pushed you to become who you are today? Absolutely. And it's cool because as an adult, I'm realizing it more and more. Mm -hmm. And that was my parents. Because from the time I was born, I'd say, from the time I was very little, I was always very curious. I was always trying to explore and experiment. Uh, My mom would tell me stories of me pulling out the pots and pans and messing around with them. And at first I was like, okay, I'm just like a little kid messing around. But now that I look back at it, I'm like, wow, like I was probably doing experiments as to why the wooden spoon sounded different than Mm -hmm. the metal spoon and exploring and having a mother that didn't immediately yell at me for taking the things out Mm -hmm. and allowed me to explore, even though it may not have been super fruitful in that moment, may have also been a little bit annoying. I feel that somehow she knew that that was something that I was passionate about. 
And then more recently, my parents retired and they moved down to Florida. And so we were able to look at all the old VHS tapes from when we were young. Oh. And my favorite one was uh, I was about three years old and I was designing my first airplane. Oh. So it sounds like, you know, mm -hmm. child prodigy engineer. No. <laughs> The airplane was made out of couch cushions. Mm -hmm. I basically rearranged our basement couch into an airplane. And I was explaining to my dad how it worked mm -hmm. and why it had these different features. I even made him an airplane. His was the uh, recliner. So that was his airplane. Mm -hmm. But to see, again, that instead of a parent coming down and seeing the couch cushions all over the place and a mess in the basement... Instead of making me clean it up, he decided to pull out the camcorder and to celebrate and ask mm -hmm. questions and allow me to explore that curiosity. And I think that's what's most important for young people mm -hmm. is to be able to have those safe and fun spaces to explore their curious thoughts and have people celebrate that. Because then down the road, when you do learn the math and the science, then you can actually make a cool airplane that's mm -hmm. not made out of couch cushions, that's made out of something much more advanced. But if you don't have that curiosity early on and it's kind of pushed away or sometimes parents will say, because I said so, or, you know, the teachers say, oh, you need this because you need to go to the next class. When you don't get those good answers and the good opportunities to explore, that curiosity kind of dies down a little. And, you know, I have a four-year-old daughter right now. Um, I also have a one-year-old daughter. I'll acknowledge her too. But the four-year-old has that exact spark of curiosity right yes. now. Her name is Charlotte. And like, it's so hard as a parent, like recognizing that like, this is how she's learning. And that's what all of these women are telling me. Like she has that spark that's gonna make a great engineer someday. Yes. But it's like this balance between Okay, how do you be curious about knives? All right, <laughs> <laughs> like, let's go find the couch coaches. Yeah, like, let's redirect exactly. this in a safe manner. Like, that's the hardest part as a parent living through that, right? Now. 100%. And, um, but, like, I, I see that spark all over her, and, like, the, the urge still comes, even though I know better to say, oh, come on, because I said so. <laughs> and so, drawing that back into that really, that more productive fashion, so that way, becomes the leader that I know she's going to be someday. So exactly 100%. like you become Jay. Thank you. One of your creations has become quite popular since its inception in 2020. It's not magic, it's science. What was the inspiration and why do you think it resonates so well with everyone? This is the favorite part of everything I do. I started it during the pandemic uh, because I knew students weren't going to have the same access to engaging science and math experiences. Mm -hmm. The already difficult subjects, and imagine now on Zoom, how much more difficult it's going to be to have those hands-on moments that are those spark uh, light bulb moments for students that really encourage them to keep going down that path to eventually become an engineer and have the math and science background they need. I also knew that families were going to be struggling, and not every kid was going to be able to order a, a STEM kit to continue that exploration. So I wanted to design something with equity in mind from the beginning, something that anybody that watched could get engaged with. So first I needed to find the right platform. So I started with TikTok. I downloaded TikTok, started exploring it, 
you know, back then it was just a, a dancing thing, but I was like, why Lots can't cats, we? Right? <laughs> cat videos, yeah. Why can't we do science on here too, mm-hmm. especially during this time? Because I knew even if the kids were sick of Zoom, even if they couldn't take another mm-hmm. second of Zoom class, they were still going to go to TikTok and start scrolling. Yeah. Right. So let's get them there. And then what do I have in my home that can spark curiosity? What's low cost items that they already might have available to them? So when they see this video, and they think it's cool, they can run right away and go do it themselves. Yeah. So I grabbed a bunch of these different things like baking soda and vinegar and dice and paper clips and all these random little things that I felt people would have in their homes and found different types of experiments to do with them. Some of them started to appear like really cool kind of magic twists to them. So that's where it's not magic, it's science came from. But it's also part of the equity piece and the inclusion piece because anybody can have their mind blown by magic. It doesn't matter where you're, whether you're a boy, you're a girl, you're rich or poor, young, you're old. Anyone can have their mind blown by a magic trick. And I also wanted to reach the kids that weren't already looking for science. Mm-hmm. So the ones that were just scrolling through aimlessly, wa- wasting time or again. So looking- like almost taking a little mystery away from like it could blow their mind in a really cool way. But then they really understood why it was doing that. And so it gave them just a really cool opportunity to learn that. Right. Exactly. Because I'm not a magician. I'm a scientist. So I can tell you the science behind the trick. And it's not smoke and mirrors. All of my experiments are actually science that are making the, the illusion or the trick or whatever happen. And so they'll be scrolling through and the only hint they have is that it's not magic, it's science, and we'll want to then hopefully learn more. And so the first video is just the hook, it's just the trick. The second video is then the explanation, so the science behind the magic. And then we put in a third video where we talk about the real life application. So now they get to be that scientist or engineer. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they were able to grab the vinegar and the baking soda or whatever was required, do the experiment, but then now take it to the next level. With the science that I learned behind this magic trick, how can I make the world a better place, a more fun place, or just do something cool with science? So I hope that it would be a spark to engage them during that time that was difficult, but that would be lasting. And the other big thing is that once you learn a trick, you don't keep that to yourself. You want to share that with other people, right? So I was hoping they would share it with their sisters and their brothers, Mm -hmm. grandma and grandpa when they come into town and make it a family activity because not only do our kids have math and science anxiety, most parents also have that math and science anxiety. So if we can bring it together as a family activity, it just takes it to the next level. I really love that story because it's so much... You know, when I talk to young girls and things like that, it seems to be the jump with that application piece of, you know, teaching people how to break down components. Because if you talk aeronautical engineer, mechanical engineer, it sounds so overwhelming. Like, I have to be this mad science genius in order to be able to do that. But when you break it down and start to show them that those little pieces and how you build upon that really becomes that final product and how you bring it together as a team... I think that's when it starts to demystify that they can see that process and how to get to be an engineer to themselves. A hundred percent. That's why I filmed everything in my kitchen. I wore a t-shirt. I I didn't want it to look like a lab. I wanted it to look like just like their kitchen so that they could go and do it themselves. Mm -hmm. And that step or like that making it a little bit closer to their current environment, I think makes it that much easier for them to know, okay, yeah, maybe I do want to go down this path. It doesn't seem so far away. I love that. Your devotion to outreach to youth began early on and shows no sign of stopping. What drives you to inspire kids to pursue a STEM education? So I realized 
in college when I started doing outreach that there were so many kids that didn't have a role model in this space. Definitely not one that looked like them. And some of the kids that I was reaching didn't really have any positive role models at all. Mm -hmm. And I felt that this was one of the ways in which I could start having an impact on other people. Initially with just like, oh, we should have more engineers. But realizing that engineering is just problem solving. And as an engineer, you get to decide whatever type of problem you want to solve. And so for me, that passion for problem solving started to shift more towards the how do we provide more students with the opportunity to have the resources they need to build whatever it is that they want. That's where the title Invent the Change comes from, right? Mm -hmm. Invent the change that they want to see in the world. So I kind of started on this mission to help kids find the math and the science behind whatever it is that they're already passionate about, whether that's sports or helping people or space. No matter what it was, I knew that I could find the science behind it. I even used examples around like making cereal and diapers. Like no matter what a kid was passionate about, I could find some math and science behind it. And if I can help them make that connection, that's what's going to make them want to go down that more difficult path of math and science, right? Nobody, I don't want to say nobody, but there's not a lot of people that love math just because it's math. There's a small, you know, segment of the population that is just very passionate about math. Most people like math because they figured out that they could do really cool things with it. Yes. And so helping more and more young people see that you can do really cool things with STEM, that you're probably already doing it as a kid and now you can take it to the next level, that became kind of like the centerpiece of that mission. I love that analogy because I find that, you know, when you do teach math as a problem-solving technique, like you'll hear rumblings of, when am I ever going to use calculus in real life? Well, an aeronautical engineer absolutely will. But it's such the process that math gives you of understanding how to break down the problem that's the amazing tool that, you know, we can really use to spark interesting kids of understanding math so much better. And I appreciate the real-world examples because it's amazing to go around this conference and, you know, I know a woman that has a patent on the little flaps on diapers. Like, she worked That's for Procter awesome. & Gamble and is now a mom herself and knows all the differences between all of that. There's so much engineering and the little things that we do every day and recognizing, too, that like we hear here in SWE, like, especially for moms that may step away from a career or something like that, they say, well, I don't know if I'm really an engineer anymore. We taught them those foundations. Like, they were an engineer before they even had an engineering degree, yeah. to your point. And now it's like, how do they practice it in a different way? Just because they're not doing it for a, for a company or getting paid for it, they're doing it for their family, and they're engineering that in a whole different way. And all those little flaps on the diapers come into that conversation, <laughs> right? We want to make sure those flaps. Stay in place. <laughs> There's no situations. All right. You reach millions of students every month as a member of Discovery Education's Mystery Science Team and as the host of the PBS Innovation Show, May 48. Not to mention all of your other events and speaking engagements. Do you feel any kind of weight or responsibility that comes with having this access and influence on so many young people? Absolutely, but in a very positive way. I think it's something that drives me because I want to reach more. Like millions, if you would have told me that when I first started outreach when I was 19, 18 years old, right? That would have been absolutely insane. But now I realize how much impact this work can have. I'm like, I need to reach billions of mm -hmm. students. So I'm always looking for more fun, unique, 
different ways to inspire kids through STEM in the ways that are connected to what they're personally passionate about. And it's almost like if I don't have a stage or I don't have a video that's coming out or like I start to get anxious from that perspective because every time I miss one of those opportunities or I'm not out there, that's one less child that I'm able to potentially reach that invents something like the flaps on the diapers or cures cancer or just make something else more enjoyable in life. And so I feel that every child, even if they decide that they want to go down some other path as a career, having them more STEM literate is going to make the world a much better place because they're going to be able to apply technology to whatever career choice they make. And the more they can do that, the more people they can impact, the better life will be for everyone. And so whether that's something like fun, like designing a toy or something very serious like curing cancer, every single engagement that I have is an opportunity to make that spark. And I, I treat every single one of those engagements very seriously because I know that it could be that day that, that, that that's that one student, right, that hadn't seen math and science in this way before and now is really excited because they saw it's not magic and science or they saw mystery science. And that can be huge. But, and I think those are the, the stories we hear, like whenever we hear keynote speeches at sweet conference or things like that, it's always like something little that triggers it in someone's mind and makes the difference. And so it could absolutely be your video. And I think how quickly you've grown is a testament to how much the space has an appetite for doing that and is so interested in what you're doing, too. Appreciate it. All right. In addition to It's Not Magic, It's Science brand, your company, Invent the Change, is continuously adding new partnerships and collaboration. What's next? That's a really hard question for me always because there's so many different things that I want to do and sometimes it's just, you know, this is the one that makes sense in the moment or a particular opportunity arises. But there's one area that I really want to change the game in and that's in the space of how science is taught and I'm thinking more specifically like hands-on things like experiments in labs because those can be one of the most engaging experiences that really help show you that why would I ever need this again in my life, as you yeah. mentioned? You get to see how what you're learning can do something in real life, whether that's move a robot or do a chemistry experiment or, you know, create something that hasn't been created before. And so a lot of those experiences, especially in labs, can sometimes be very bullet point, very dry, very worksheet, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And, yep. you know, who's ever been inspired by a pile of worksheets? Not <laughs> that many people. <laughs> So I want to find more ways to teach science through storytelling. So my vision is, for example, one of my favorite, it's not magic, it's science experiments, is called the Invisible Firefighter. So I'd love for a young girl and her mom or her dad or grandma and grandpa to be able to sit down and read the story about the Invisible Firefighter. Mm -hmm. And through that process of just reading a story together, actually learn how to do the experiment. And then at the end, figure out, hey, like, why don't we go do that too? So that it can be, again, a family-connected activity where we're just reading and spending time together, enjoying this cool story, which lots of kids like to learn that way, and then going and doing it as well. I need to know the synopsis of this story now. Like, my daughter loves firefighters. We're making it a 
almost a quest to go find all the different fire departments in the area so she can see all the different trucks and get her picture in them. So I need a little bit more info so I can take this back to her. Absolutely. So let's bring her to Inventive Build It on Saturday. But oh. In addition to that, I have all of my videos and resources online, but I'll give you a quick synopsis. It's basically you use vinegar and baking soda to magically blow out a candle. And so what happens is when you mix vinegar and baking soda, you create carbon dioxide gas. Mm -hmm. Carbon dioxide gas is heavier than oxygen molecules. Mm -hmm. So you're able to basically push away the oxygen molecules from the candle. And that flame needs mm -hmm. oxygen in order to burn. Mm -hmm. That's why we call it the invisible firefighter, because you can't see it. Oh, I love that. But it's actually blowing out the candle. And so it's just this cool, fun hook. Again, what's the invisible firefighter? How does it work? Especially for someone like your daughter that's kind of curious about it. But then we show them the science of how it works and the combustion triangle and what is carbon dioxide in the first place and mm -hmm. oxygen and all these cool things that then kind of gets them curious down this path. And hopefully, after reading this story, after doing the experiment, they'll start to think, well, why did that fire happen in California? And maybe we could use the invisible firefighter to stop that fire, right? And then that gets them thinking like an engineer, thinking like a scientist, and puts them on track to going down that path. I love that because you're really starting at the simplest pieces. So even my four-year-old is going to be able to be blown away by something like that. And then, but you can build on that over time to more complex things. Like I can definitely imagine my friend's 12-year-old kids going and playing with that, trying to set the house on fire maybe, <laughs> you know. Safety first. <laughs> safety first. Um, but having fun with it in a different way so it can really grow with them too. Absolutely. I love that philosophy. I definitely find sometimes like I have to set aside things. I'm like, all right, she's not ready for this. She's not ready for this. She's not ready for this. She's definitely ready for some baking soda and vinegar yes. though. <laughs> I couldn't have a conversation with you without mentioning this little show you were on called NBC's American Ninja Warrior. I've gotten a lot of questions on this to make sure I asked you about this. You've been stuck in a demo of It's Not Magic, It's Science into the program. Can you tell me about what the experience of being on that show was? Yeah, this is one of the coolest things uh, in my journey overall, but also in my STEM journey. And I say my journey overall first because when I got the call for the first time last year to compete, that was my 10th attempt. Mm -hmm. So I was rejected nine times by the show before actually getting the opportunity. So it's been a journey of perseverance, mm -hmm. setting, growth, learning from the rejections and moving forward instead of turning around and moving away from it. But also I'm really happy that it happened now and not back then because now I have such a better platform to be able to leverage the audience of Ninja Warrior to share all the things that you know, I want for our community, for young girls, for people that aren't exposed as much to engineering. So being able to be on the show is you know, one of the coolest adult playgrounds in the world mm. is just you know, one thing. But then being able to bring It's Not Magic, It's Science there, have a demo on stage that millions of people are gonna see. But then again, as we talked about earlier, being in shorts and a t-shirt and about to take on this obstacle course, not any type of stereotypical engineer or scientist, just someone having fun. No pocket protectors, I knew that. <laughs> no pocket protector. I mean, obviously there's always safety in mind, but nothing from the perspective of there's something about that person that I can't see myself in, mm -hmm. you know? So I wanted to be able to spark that excitement and then do something else, right? Do the yeah. course and just show that you can do both, right? You can want to be in sports and also do science. You can be passionate about art and also do science. 
whatever it is that you're passionate about, there's going to be some STEM behind it. So if you can find that connection, like I've been able to find with sports, has been wonderful. But the biggest moment for me was when I watched the live version. So when we record, we don't really get much say in the editing process. <laughs> we're not even always sure if we're going to get airtime. Mm-hmm. And so it was a surprise to me what was going to be happening, how much airtime I would get, what they would show, would the experiment look good? I had no idea. The experiment looked awesome. And then they cut to the crowd to a young boy that happened to be Hispanic like me. And that was like my like emotional moment there. I was like, I got to be the kid that I never saw or the scientist that I never saw on TV. And I got to be that for millions of people, uh, right? And you would have never known that if they hadn't like been catching that on the camera. You probably didn't see that while you were on stage. Exactly, and to be able to see that child's reaction and the kind of the shock and awe, like, wow, that was cool. And uh-huh. to be able to see that, and I'm sure there's millions of others that had that kind of similar experience was really incredible. And then to be able to use you know, their audience, their reach to be able to do that. And then I got the call back again for this season. So we just recorded not too long ago. Uh, and this season, I'm going to be a featured story. There's going to be even more It's Not Magic and Science all over the place. So anyone listening that's passionate about STEM and maybe has some interest in, in American Ninja Warrior, there's going to be a lot of great STEM representation this season. In addition to the experiments we did in uh, what they call B-roll, so the day before we filmed some behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. So there's some of that for my backstory. There's the actual experiment that I do on stage before the course. The course. And then, in addition, since I am a featured story this year, they flew in to my hometown and we filmed at the Science Museum, we filmed in our house, we filmed at the gym. So there's even more exposure to what we're doing and it's just a priceless opportunity that I hope will be not just a great commercial for It's Not Magic, It's Science, but for STEM outreach in general and to encourage more people to find these unique opportunities to bring STEM to the table. Well, and... How appreciative are we for them really drawing out that history from you, too? They could just make this show about, all right, how am I going to like get across this course? What training did I have to do? What this? But recognizing that there's a person behind all of that, too. Can you give us any previews of the experiments? <laughs> or is it all, are you, are you bound um, by NDAs? So again, those that are going to invent it, build it, will get a quick preview. So I'll get okay. another plug in there. One of the experiments that, or the one that I did this year, we'll have incorporated in the show. Uh, I won't say which one, but you'll get to see one of those. Um, the other cool thing about, and that I will share though, so for when you do get to see it online or uh, live, if you watch it live, everything I got except for one material, you can get at the dollar store. I literally went and bought the materials for a primetime NBC, you know, big production show, that quality of experiment with materials from the dollar store. So that goes back to me designing everything with equity in mind again, because the worst thing that could happen is I have this really cool thing that's on stage, millions of kids see it, but none of them think that they can do it. So I always have that in mind from the beginning, access equity, inclusion, making sure that is all in the design from the beginning. So you'll just need a couple items. You can go to Walmart, Amazon, the dollar store. And once it comes out, I'll share more of the you know, videos and stuff on the specifics of how you can do it at home. Uh, and 
You know, I can relate to that so well because it isn't even necessarily just a monetary access, but a physical access as well. I live in a very rural community. There is a dollar store not that far from me, but the nearest Walmart's 20 miles away. The nearest Target's 20 miles away. So just even being able to have access to it from a physical space and not having to wait or when are you going to get to the right store or when's mom going to go shopping next or something like that. I think is big as well. Or just the anxiety of, did I get the right material? Or yeah. my son or daughter going to be, you know, upset because the experiment didn't go right. Yeah. Thing. So, yeah, I try to make that, that barrier to entry as low as possible, whether that's cost, whether that's knowing what to get, um, you know, knowing how and where to do it, safety, all those things. Just you trying don't to have minimize to go to a specialty store to get it that, you know, may be only available in a big city or anything exactly. like that. And at Invented Build It, we'll have some bigger versions of some of the experiments just for the wow factor, the mm. fun, right? Because that's, you know, that's our spark. We want to inspire that. But then we have in all the kits that the girls will be receiving, the versions that they can do at home right away. So we always make sure that even if it is something that's a little bigger or maybe a little more challenging for younger students to do, that we have that younger version or the smaller version or the more safe version to do at home. The more safe version is very critical. I greatly yes. appreciate that part. Um, when you look ahead and think of your life's work, what do you want to have achieved? What do you want to be known for at the end of the day? Yeah, this is one that as I continue to do things and try to think of what's next or Anytime I have that kind of thought of, am I really making an impact? I think back to all of our live shows and sometimes when a student will come up after and start asking more curious questions. And sometimes I get this feeling that they've always wanted to ask these questions and they've never had anyone to ask or never had someone that looks like them to be able to ask that question. And it's those moments that are like, okay, this is exactly why I'm doing it. So I'm hoping that as I continue to move on, I'll have those moments where a kid comes up to me randomly and recognizes me not from Ninja Warrior or Telemundo or ESPN or any of the other things that I did, but from an it's a Magic and Science experiment or because their school had mystery science and they watched my videos in the classroom. And I get some of those moments, like I've had teachers at the airport come up to me. I had a kid, you know, we were eating ice cream one day. And um, the coolest part of that is we were making an episode about how ice cream is made. Uh -huh. And a kid there recognized me. And so those moments where it's like because of your video or because of your passion for this, like I decided to do X, Y or Z. And now I'm, you know, changing lives in, in this way as a scientist or an engineer or just someone that's, you know, more appreciative of science and math. And I get some of that, but because I'm intentionally reaching kids younger, because I know that that will make the biggest impact, some of them aren't old enough yet to be, have become engineers or to have taken on these roles at really cool companies. So once I, I get to see more of that, you know, that'll be a cool kind of like, yeah, you know, everything you did was worth it, was impactful, and the world is a better place because of it. So... In 20 years from now, at we 44, 43... <laughs> We're going to be listening to the keynote speech up there, and they're going to go back and talk about how they watched you 20 years ago and that influenced Absolutely. them. Absolutely. I was at Invented Build It in 2023, and I did this really cool science experiment that looked magical, and now I'm, you know, curing cancer at this company or, or you know, making cars more sustainable. What I, I don't... What I care about is that they're doing it in a way that's exciting to them and is making an impact, right? Uh, obviously, there's certain things that I'm particularly passionate about helping people solve, but I just want them to be like, now I'm excited about doing this and I love my job and we're making a difference. 
That is so amazing. This has been such an inspiring and fun conversation, and I really can't thank you enough for sharing your stories with us on Diverse. If anyone is listening, wants to learn more about your work, your shows, and your STEM demonstrations, what are the best places online in order to find them? Absolutely. So the easiest thing would be to go invent, to inventthechange.com. There you can find our science videos, so all the mystery science videos we create, all the It's Not Magic, It's Science experiments that are part of what the students will be experiencing at Inventabilda. We also have those available online for anybody to be able to see and do at home. And then just links to all my social media and stuff. But if you're going to go to direct Instagram or your TikTok, it's at jflorezinspires is the easiest way to connect there. Uh, and then hopefully at SUI events, uh, other engineering events, especially engaging with you, hope to see you around and feel free to say hi and we'll um, you know, talk about how we get more kids excited about STEM. Perfect. Well, and next year, we're always going to continue and run and build it. And so hopefully it'll be bigger and bigger every year so that way we can continue that platform. We really want to thank you again for taking the time to speak with us today. I know I really enjoyed the conversation. Um, and really reflecting on my girls and what this is going to mean to them growing up as well and being able to come to this sweet conference in 20 years as well. So again, my name is Karen Roth and I'm the FY25 Society President. I look forward to having more and more conversations with all of you and Diverse for the rest of the year as well as next year. And from all of us at SWE, thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Diverse. Please don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and share this episode with your social network. You can visit podcast.swe.org to keep up with our episodes and learn more about how the Society of Women Engineers empowers women to achieve their full potential as engineers and leaders.